Welcome to Talking Confidence with me, Holly Kaplan. Having confidence in the workplace is essential for progress, fulfillment, and yes, survival. The issue is that confidence doesn't always come easy and is impacted and influenced along the way. Well, as a confidence coach, I know the key to finding and keeping your confidence is to recognize how professional situations have affected how you think of yourself. In this podcast together, we will examine exactly what impacts women's confidence in the workplace. We're going to get raw in these episodes. We are going to peel back the layers of social interactions, company culture, gender discrimination, ageism, and more. My guests will include entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and business owners. We are going to get down to what these women are really feeling. Expect vulnerability, openness, and relatability. But most importantly, expect to find your confidence. I'd like to start this episode by sharing something personal with you that impacted my confidence in my professional life. Throughout my years of growing up, I was taught by my parents, who were successful business owners of a different era, certain rules to survive in the workplace. They were never say no to a work task, never challenge your boss's idea or direction, never challenge how you're treated at work, and never question authority. Their thought was that if I followed these rules, that I would never struggle in the workplace and I would always have a job and security. And I get that. They wanted their daughter to be stable. And from their point of view, being compliant, quiet, and unquestionably loyal to the company, even if you didn't really feel it, was the best way to achieve that. Well, I tried their way for years. Their words were ingrained on my brain, and I didn't know of any other way to think. So when I heard other colleagues debating a topic on a conference call or saying no to a project or really just having an opinion, I thought, oh, hell no, here goes her career. She's going to get in some trouble now. In reality, that was not what happened. Most of the time, that person gained more respect. She was tasked with new projects and was viewed as a leader. Yet, despite me seeing this happen in front of my eyes, I continued to try the old school way I was taught. Why could I not get as much movement as she did? I let people walk all over me. I didn't have an opinion. I worked on weekends. And you know what? My confidence was in the shitter. I was overworked, burned out, and I felt as if I wasn't getting anywhere. But why? I didn't have what's called boundaries. I didn't know how to set them. I didn't know how to recognize when mine were being crossed, and I didn't know how to change my way of thinking so that I would be able to establish boundaries for myself. I wasn't confident enough. I had to rewire my brain, but I didn't know how to start. Well, I figured it out. You start by knowing this. What is a boundary? A boundary is a container around your time. It holds your mental, emotional, and physical energy. And you can recognize it by feeling this. It's the hell no instinct that protects what you value and opens the door to those hell yes experiences you live for because you're not distracted and exhausted by people, places, and things that drain your life force. So now I've shared my story and I've provided you with the definition of the word boundary and what that can mean to you. And I have so much more to say about this. So be sure to listen through to the end of this podcast so you can hear my two parting tips for you in 2022. But now I'm going to turn it over to my guest today, who's going to share her experiences with setting boundaries, what worked for her, how she was impacted and what changed. 
My guest today, Michelle Gannon, is Chief of Staff and Vice President of Public Affairs of the Port of New Orleans, and she plays a lead role in crafting communication strategy, strengthening community engagement efforts, and building new partnerships to drive regional economic prosperity and job growth. Current projects span the port's four lines of business, cargo, rail, real estate, and cruise, and include infrastructure projects throughout the port's jurisdiction, the port's strategic master plan, and workforce development initiatives. Prior to joining the Port of New Orleans, Gannon served in leadership marketing and communications roles with the Port of San Diego, San Diego City Council, and San Diego's Downtown Redevelopment Agency. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. I got to tell you, I'm so glad to have you here today. I, I was really looking forward to this conversation because we hit it off when we met each other in November. I totally agree. And um, and it was so fun. We were we were in in that big, huge hotel conference room and with the recording uh, session all set up for the panel that you were moderating and that I was participating in. And you and I were the only two that were able to be there in person. And it really, it was so nice to have that connection. Everybody else were, um, you know, was on Zoom and it was great to connect physically and in person. It was fun. The banter was a lot better. For those of you listening, Michelle Gannon and I just met last month at International Trade Day in New Orleans at the Omni Royal Orleans. And we happened to be thrown together on a panel about women's topics in international trade. And we had a great time. And the other ladies were on screens and Michelle and I got to see each other face to face. So it was like nice to talk to a live person. You know, really what, and the body language, you know, part of it was familiar and lovely. And part of it was also a little bit startling. <laughs> yeah, it was You're like, wait, you're in person. Wait, who are you? You're breathing. This is real. <laughs> so I can, I can check out your body language to, <laughs> yeah. to make sure that, that, you know, we're still in sync here where there's no like trying to project and, and interpret from, from a 13 inch Apple Mac. Right. It's harder to connect and we've taken it for granted. So, um, so because of that, I think that's why we're here today, because we hit it off in November. So, And plus, you have a lot to talk about, and I'm looking forward to you sharing your story uh, and your input today. Absolutely. Happy to. Happy okay. to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. I know about you, but will, will you please tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Sure. I'll start with a few personal qualities. I'm one of those people who likes to be in the room where it happens. And I also have a bias to action. It's really hard for me to see something that needs to be done and not try to help make a difference. And the reason I bring those up is that looking back, I think I've unconsciously built my career around both of those characteristics. Mm. Career-wise, I've been very lucky to develop a skill set that's applicable across industries. And so I've been exposed to a lot of different different experiences. Um, through my jobs over the years, it, They've been very different, but the common thread is they've all related in some way to communicating, marketing, community relations, governmental affairs, um, writing. And I started in advertising, working on really great brands like Tylenol and Pepsi. And I didn't Tylenol, know that. That's oh, cool. Yeah. It was really fun. And Tylenol, um, I worked on Tylenol when somebody tampered with the capsules and put cyanide in them. And the brand's that. response to that threat became a gold standard for crisis communications. And so I was just out of college and had a front row seat. It was a terrible emergency, but the on-the-job learning was, you know, irreplaceable. It was wonderful. 
Um, so later, when I worked for a couple of city council presidents in San Diego as communications director, I worked at times when they had to do some prison ref- uh, pension reform and budget deficits, which doesn't really sound that interesting, but it was more great training. I learned how important it was to simplify messages so that people really understand issues and can get on board with solutions. So that being in the room where it happens and, and making a difference has led me in many ways to where I am today. I'm in New Orleans. I serve as the chief of staff and VP of public affairs for the port. And I've worked there for five and a half years, directing a team of 11. And it's a role that gives me great latitude. I interact internally and externally with the direction and authority of the CEO. And really, my job is to make sure that we're making progress toward a vision of increasing the port, railroad, and industry economic impact through the region and state with jobs and tax revenues, et cetera. So it's been great. Um, on a personal note, my husband and I have lived in California and New York over a 35-year marriage, and we're really embracing the time that we are spending here in New Orleans. Um, our three kids jump at every chance to visit the Big Easy. So that's me in a bit of a nutshell. Well, it sounds amazing. From Tylenol to Pepsi to New York, California, and now New Orleans, and a 35-year-plus marriage. I mean, congratulations. Thank you. That's, Thank that's you. a big deal in itself too. Well, and I'm sh- I'm sure you guys are enjoying. I'm from the city, from there originally. I'm sure you guys are thoroughly enjoying the food in New Orleans oh. and the hospitality because I can't say enough about it. I love it there. Oh, and, and the mu- the music. I mean, it is the most oral city. I mean, you just you you. It's everywhere. And when we first arrived, we said, okay, we're just going to say yes to every experience that comes our way. And by the end of the year, we looked at each other, you know, thoroughly exhausted, wrung out on the sofa and said, oh my God, can we say no yet? It's been 365 days. It's hard to say no. And when you get there, everyone's like, what do you want to drink and what do you want to eat? Those are the first <laughs> questions when you go see friends and family there. Like It's so true. And the other thing that's a riot, and I think this is true of the South, not just New Orleans, but it's very true for New Orleans, is you'd be sitting there having a lovely meal at lunch and people will start talking about what you're going to eat for dinner. It's <laughs> so true. You're right. You're forecasting dinner. You have to yeah. be ready. <laughs> you have to be ready. You have to be ready. It's, well, a, it's a marathon, not a, not a sprint of a city. It is. In every way. I know. I know. Well, I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it because I love it and miss it. So, um, Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and pivot over to why we're here today. And that is for us to talk about setting boundaries. And when I approached you with this idea a couple of weeks back, you're like, uh, uh-uh, I get it. This is my topic. This is it. And I appreciate everything that you said because you taught me a lot in our conversation. And I know our listeners will appreciate it too. Well, I'd love to hear about your boundaries and how having them or lack thereof have affected you in the workplace because they do all of this. Oh, it's so true. And I think it's probably obvious that I really tend to bring my whole self to whatever I do. And that's been great for my career, but at times not so good for my personal life, not so good for the team's personal and professional satisfaction either. Um, (laughs) For me, it's boundaries around time that can be the biggest challenge. I mean, intellectually, I recognize the importance of balance, but I'm like a toddler who has trouble with transitions. I mean, if I get engrossed in a project, you know, I'll, I'll work late weekends. And even if there's not a pressing deadline and that's, and that's, um, that's a problem. But, you know, even though I try not to do it anymore, unless it's really necessary, 
I've been that boss from hell who sends emails days, nights, and weekends, even when I didn't expect answers. And because I was so caught up, you know, I, I get so caught up that I just would reach out. And even though I didn't expect an answer, it still sends a message to the team that, I'm in there, you know, toiling away while they're out there having fun. And it's sort of disrespectful and it puts pressure that is ultimately unproductive. It's just not a very good look. But Did you realize that at the time when you were doing the the weekend email thing? No, no. In fact, I started getting messages subtly and then increasingly not so subtly. You know, it would be a joke sort of, oh, you were in the weekend, you're in on the weekend. Or if I was working late people would stay until I left or close to when I left. And initially I did not realize it. I, you know, I, I had very poor um, boundaries since, and I really didn't, I think I noticed it more what in how it affected others. I think that was one of the, one of the things that helped me realize, because again, maybe not so good with transitions. I just kept plowing ahead, you know, it's that. And so I had to recognize what was, appropriate and what was really productive. Okay. So what brought you to that moment? When did you realize, oh, maybe I need to change my ways a little bit? So it's a really good question. And I've actually been thinking about it because it would be really nice to have a set thing that you could, that might help other folks. But it really took me a while to figure out that my impatience and insomnia might be related to work. (laughs) Yeah, and, and potentially burnout. So um, I, I think that a couple of things, two years in a row when I was evaluated, Brandy, um, the port CEO, suggested that I focus on work-life balance. And I still went into work most weekends and both days. And, um, you know, it seems silly in retrospect, but one morning, one of my colleagues was incredulous that I'd been in the office the day before. And he, was, he said, why did you do that? You know, it was a gorgeous day. There was nothing that couldn't have waited. You know, I actually feel sorry for you. And that was my wake-up call. It it really helped me. It, I, it hit me so to the core that I just thought, I, I really had to pause and think, what do you mean you feel sorry for me? I'm being productive. And then I thought, well, right. am I? Am I? Is that, is that, did I need to be in here on a Sunday? And that really helped. It, it, it really it was a wake-up call. It's, it's not a universal thing. I mean, I think everybody needs their own aha, but that that was mine for sure. And I started thinking about why I was there, and that's when I came to the whole boundaries times. And that's unfortunately when I really became more sensitive to how my behavior, especially since I'm on the executive team, how that could impact my whole team of 11 people. I mean, that's that's not cool. Right. Right. Well, going back a bit, if the, for the CEO, Brandy, to tell you, hey, girl, you need work-life balance, that's pretty telling, too. And you know, I've ignored like, it for two years. <laughs> well, it's like, because you feel like you have to keep moving. If you don't yes. keep moving, everything's going to stop. But then you realize that it does keep going, you know, even if you're not going to work on that Sunday, it does still keep rolling. Exactly. And the irony is that you're actually more productive when you have the break and you come at it fresh. Um, yes. And, and that True. was, that was the, that was something that I recognized over time as well. I mean, initially it was really more of a, of a setting boundaries and adhering to them, whether I wanted to or not like, okay, do you need to come in on this weekend? Do you need to come in on Saturday? 
Um, and now it's of course more natural because I have that balance and everybody's happier. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I was like, I was like you, like I was like firing away on the weekends with the emails, not really expecting people to get back to me, but I was like, Oh, it's okay. At least I'll get it out now. But now I don't send shit on weekends (laughs) and I don't answer shit on weekends. I just don't. And <laughs> I respect other people who do who do the same. I'm like, Friday, look, if you shut it down Friday at five, that's great. I don't expect anything until Monday. We are clear and good and life goes on in between, you know, work hours. And exa- and I don't want to um, encourage bad behavior, but one of the things right. you can do if you do have to work on weekends or put together an email or you want to respond to something, you can leave it in draft and then email it the following Monday or yeah. they have, there's a way to schedule delivery for later. So you can still, if you just remember that you got to get, you know, if you need to do one quick thing or two quick things, you can still do it without disrupting the recipient. Right. And I agree. Goes. I agree. You can hold on and deploy exactly. when you're ready. Deploy <laughs> exactly. when you're ready. Okay. I kind of, I kind of want to go off the same question. You changed your boundaries. How did you changing your boundaries affect your employees? Well, I, I think it's a good question. Um, I think one of the things that happened is that they begin to show more of themselves and they became better able to express their, you know, again, if I was working late, there was an unspoken desire to please and desire to be part of the team and to continue to contribute and be productive and professional. And so as I started to relax my boundaries. And I was clear about it. I mean, I, I said, Hey guys, I I've been over the top and I'm going to change this. Um, as I did that, it freed them up to be more themselves and to, you know, and people would come in and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to leave. Do you need anything further? Do you need anything else? And that's so much easier than to have somebody in their office thinking, Oh God, I want to go, but what the hell is she working on? That's so damn important that we can't go. It just, it led to more really more honest professional relationships. Yeah. Yeah. They feel more like themselves. They feel exactly. more comfortable because they're, they, they have different boundaries by you changing yours. They had different boundaries too. Exactly. Ah, oh, domino effect. I didn't think it, about it, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually it's when you get permission as a leader, it's part of the intangible responsibility of being a manager of other people is putting yourself in their shoes and helping to make sure that, that you're setting a whole environment, not just what's working for you. You know, there's the managing up, managing um, uh, uh, horizontally, but it's probably as or more important to make sure that, and I hate the word managing down. I'm trying to think of a better word, but, you know, managing comprehensively so that everybody at every level feels their value, feels that they're contributing and feels valued you know, not just what they're giving, but that they of themselves are enough. Right. Right. It's a comforting, authentic feeling. I think when they know, when they, when they know that they're enough, I've been there, I've been on both sides of this. I've worked for bosses who are terrific with boundaries. And I feel like I just want to do better for that person. Yes. You know? Yes. And then yes. I've worked for bosses and not so much. And I'm like, ah, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's really true. It's really true. It's really and when true. And you, when you have a boss that you like that much and you feel, um, and, you know, and you're really giving your best effort, 
which also tends to lead to greater productivity overall in the, for the work, that's also, um, it, it's a person you'd be inclined to follow. It's a, you know, it, it has long-term impacts. It does. And benefits. That's so true. I have a boss. His name is Todd. I love him. I think he's the only person I'd ever work for again. And I told him that recently. I'm like, because he had built, we had built such loyalty to each other personally and professionally that I was like, you're the only person I'll work for again. That's it. You. It's, you know, it's, did you happen to see in the paper that the new um, mayor of New York has as his number one job hiring requirement, um, emotional intelligence. Are you serious? Isn't that interesting? And it's, it's, uh, I think that there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to be said for that. And it's what you're describing. And I was living happily in New York when Brandy called me up and, and we started talking and, um, she realized that there might be a job opportunity for me in New Orleans working for her as chief of staff. And there's no way that I would have considered moving to New Orleans. I, I just, I didn't know anything about it. I'd never visited and, but when Brandy called and said, come work for me, absolutely. Absolutely. Aww. No doubt. No doubt. So it's just like, just like you and Todd. Yeah. It's nice to have that relationship with other people. It really is. It really is. Which could be a whole other podcast on confidence because, <laughs> because those relationships do make you more confident. I'm going to break oh, that down yes. for another episode. So thank you. See, Michelle, <laughs> give me a lot of information today. Um, I'd like to go to... What are some of your boundaries now? We kind of touched on that, but I think it'll be good for the listeners to hear. So when they're done with this podcast, they can start to practice some of the same things that you do. Okay. And, and I know how you feel about like emails and things like that, but what are some of the other things that you do that, that keep your life simple and continue to motivate other people at the same time? So a couple of things, and I, as I was thinking about the answer to this question, it was interesting. I usually like to be positive, but in this case, I came up with a lot of don'ts. I don't listen to office messages regularly because I'm not at my desk a lot. So I give people my cell phone number, but when I give out the number, I, I'm very clear that this is my cell phone number. I don't take calls from numbers I don't recognize. So Amen. text me first to see if I can take the call. And I, I will give out my number to anyone at the end of this call. I'll give out my cell phone, but Make sure you text me first, and and that's a way to sort of set boundaries and yet remain as accessible as you might need to be. Um, and then another important thing is I try not to have meetings go over time without mentioning ah. that we can end or people can leave. And that also ties back to as a as a um, as an executive, but it's true for directors and managers of any kind. People want to please you, and so it can cause stress, and it's again sort of disrespectful. If you just go, if a meeting goes on and on without you pass the set end time, if you don't really recognize that and set space for it. So I just try and be more direct with communications around that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing is I don't explain my boundaries or ask anybody else to. So I, it's not, I'm, it's not, I'm not asking permission. I've got, you know, enough of a, I've developed enough of a sense of self that this is my boundary. This is, you know, this is what is. And people can relax into it once they understand what the boundaries are. And then to the do's, all that boundary setting really allows time to relax, to do nothing, to get engaged in other activities. Um, you know, it, it's very freeing to set that in 
as many places in life as you can. And then to be clear about it. Yep. I agree with you too. And for, for you, the boundary setter, it takes some um, guilt out of it. I don't know about you, but like, it took me a long time to separate from feeling bad about not doing something for work at the moment. Yeah. Absolutely. It frees you of that. Totally agree with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So you, I'm going to reiterate some of the things that you said about your phone. Please text you before they reach out to you. So you're efficient with your time. Really? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, what was the other one? You don't oh, um, have to explain you that you are setting your boundaries. boundaries. Yep. It's just like, okay, this is, this is, um, you know, this is my end time or this is, I'm happy to, right. I'm happy to participate in this project, um, to this degree, or I can give you, you know, it, being as clear as you can with what your capabilities are and capacity mm-hmm. is, is a setting of boundaries. And then the other one that I mentioned was um, try not to have meetings going over time without giving people permission to opt out or reschedule for another to finish um, at a time that's more convenient for everybody. Yep. I love that. I love that. So those who are listening, take Michelle's tips here and do it for yourself. Bring it back to your place of work, you know, so you have the same freedom and, and uh, you're able to have better balance. The other question that I wanted to address is in our pre-interview, you had said, and this was interesting to me is don't feel compelled to fake it, to make it. Yes. Yes. And by that, I mean, I think it's stressful for all of us to present one face to the world that is substantive, substantively different than how you feel inside. Um, you know, you bring a skill set and experience to your work. You don't know anything. It's, it's, you're not expected to, to know everything and to accomplish everything right away. Um, you know, whether you're new to a role, new to a job, or just engaged in a project that is testing your skill set, um, it's it's really important to be able to ask questions and to be open and and confident about, or at least um, uh, knowledgeable about what you bring to the table and have that be enough, have that be okay. That frees you up to open questions. And as importantly, it Help, it gives the freedom for other people to lean in and help you, whether it's with a suggestion. And that can come from any level, somebody who reports to you, somebody you work alongside, or, um, or a boss. When, when you're able to be open about what you can do and, and ask questions or leave space for what you can't do, it allows other people to help. And it makes for a better environment all the way yes, around. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that you said that because a lot of people will act like, they know all the answers. They know everything. And it's weird because it's like, that's their boundary. You know, it's, it's yes. up, it's yes. up. And you, you, you block yourself from knowing what you need to know because you yes. pretended like, you know, something that you don't, it happens it, all the time. It does. It does. And it's a barrier. Ironically, it, you know, what you think you're doing, that's going to help you in the long run actually does hurt. It creates a boundary. Uh, it creates a barrier instead of a bridge. It does. Ah, I like it. Build your bridge. <laughs> Don't build your barrier, your boundary exactly. barrier. Build your bridge. <laughs> build the bridge. Build the bridge. Go to the bridge. <laughs> that was great. Just don't jump off it. Don't jump off it. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. It's not that bad. Please don't jump off it. Um, well, I think those are those are terrific words of advice. Anything else that you think our listeners should know about setting boundaries in the workplace from your perspective? 
You know, yeah, this leads to the advice for other women who want to set boundaries. You know, I really think it's important to leave some work unfinished and feel comfortable about it. Um, I remember having a conversation with a new director who wondered if she had accomplished enough during her first three months. And from my perspective, she was really rocking it. And as we talked about it, I said, you know, when you move into a leadership role, your responsibilities increase and accomplishments might mean making progress, not reaching a goal. And so you really need to learn what does need to be finished now and what can be left until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I really wish I'd taken that advice for myself earlier because once you give space to do something for tomorrow, again, it, it allows tensions to relax and, and it, it, it creates space to, to deal with what's right in front of you productively. Right. I agree. And in a healthy manner, really. Yeah. You take the stress off of yourself. Exactly. 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 At the end of this, this podcast, um, I'm going to talk about no's, saying no's. What are your mm. hard no's in 2022? And that's you know one of them. At, say no. At, yep. Say no. Say no. And that there's, um, uh, is it Warren Buffett or Steve Jobs or something? Maybe it was Steve Jobs who, who really thought more about what he was saying no to than what he was saying yes to, you know, just he, his inclination was to go to, for no rather than ah, go for yes. I and it allowed, that. again, it allowed him to free up the time to do what he could do. Yep. I'm pretty yep. sure it was Steve Jobs. You can Google that. I'll Google it, but it's, it's <laughs> great advice either way. You know, it's great mm-hmm. advice. See, you just taught me something else, Michelle. I know. Uh, well, I'll tell you All that, the time. that you give it to me as well. I, it's, I, I love, um, I love listening to your, uh, your conversations and topics that you. you. Well, um, madam, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you or the port or what you do or want your input on something? So for the port, I encourage everybody to follow the port of new Orleans, um, and the Louisiana international terminal social pages. Um, my Instagram and Facebook accounts are in my name, Michelle Gannon. Um, I don't do LinkedIn nearly as much as I should, but feel free to connect with me there because I do get the notifications. Um, and then my email is michellegannon at portnola.com and two L's in Michelle and Gannon has one N in the middle, G-A-N-O-N. And then my cell phone, as I promised, is 504-376-3649. Just text who you are before you call. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to add that. I was going to say, but text her first. Just you know. <laughs> Boundaries, boundaries, y'all. These boundaries. Boundaries. Thank <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. Michelle, oh. thank you so much. It was terrific to spend time with you. And the next time I'm in NOLA, we have to meet. Oh, please, please, please. Drinks, drinks or lunch or dinner, and we can talk about our next meal when we get there. <laughs> perfect plan. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Going into 2022, think about what you want to change this year as it relates to your boundaries. I'm going to leave you with two things to think about, just two. But if you focus on them, they will change your life. The first one is, what would you like to achieve by setting boundaries for yourself? Is it so you have less stress? Is it so you can clean up what's not working for you in life? Is it just because you need some more damn time for yourself? So think about what you would like to get from setting boundaries. The second one is, what is your hard no? in 2022. Get used to saying the word no. Practice saying no. No to that extra project that doesn't do anything for your career. No to working with people who 
don't serve you or make you better. And y'all know who I'm talking about. If saying no makes you happier and an overall better person, then do it. Those are my parting words today. This is Holly Kaplan. Cheers until our next episode of Talking Confidence. Thank you, Talking Confidence listeners, for joining me today for this episode. If you would like to connect with me personally for confidence coaching or speaking events, you can reach me at hollykaplan.com. If you would like to buy my book, Surviving the Dick Click, A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World, you can find your copy at amazon.com. Thanks.